Off the Ball. Find us on Twitter at Off the Ball. News Talk 106 to 108. Hello and welcome to Off the Ball this evening. Coming up on tonight's show, we've got Friday Night Racing, where I'll be joined in studio by our strength and conditioning coach Wayne Middleton to chat about his life in the sport. Johnny Ward will also be on the line from Limerick, chatting through all of the festive racing action after eight. Joe will bring you some more of our best ofs from the year that was, including a feature interview with the boxing coach Adam Booth. Before that, though, delighted f- to be joined for Friday Night Rugby by the Irish Independence, Rory O'Connor. How are you, Rory? Not too bad, Neil. Good Christmas. Uh, not too bad, yourself? Yeah, not too bad now at all. And uh, a couple of nice games to get stuck into as well. Our rugby coverage, of course, is brought to you by Air Sports, the home of rugby in Ireland. Also, we're live on Facebook and Twitter, Periscope and YouTube as well at the moment. So get your rugby tweets and uh, texts into us and you could be named our Heineken star comment of the week. There are match day tickets and off the ball Heineken branded goodies for all of our winners throughout the season as well. Uh, Rory, I suppose the big one this weekend, it is in uh, Thomas Park tomorrow afternoon, Munster against Leinster. And as we expected, the team news came in and for the most part anyway, it's two sides pretty close to full strength. Close to, yeah. I mean, there's a. I think if you look closely, you'll find big names missing here and there. And Peter Armani, I think, on the Munster team is, is the big one. Um, probably the biggest name missing across both teams. Um, and he'll be missed. But I think anytime you see Johnny Sexton and the Leinster team, it's almost the, 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 the first one you go to to see how seriously are Leinster going for this one. And, and when he's there for the game in Limerick, you know, Munster are not in Leinster's conference. You know, this is not necessarily a must-win game in, in the kind of the greater scheme of things for Leinster, but this shows that they have uh, pinpointed this one as, as the biggest one of the three games. Maybe suits the way they're going to prepare for Europe as well. They might give them a rest next week against Ulster. But they've named a very formidable starting 15 with a probably less experienced bench to go down and try and win their fifth game against Ulster or against Munster in a row which wouldn't go down well with the home crowd, I wouldn't imagine. Yeah, and I think as well, I think a lot of people are just relieved to see two pretty good na- yeah. pretty good sides named because the last couple of years we have had this stuff, oh, the, the fans have been sold a pop here with this uh, big rivalry and it's, you know, it's weakened teams, whatever, but, you know, bear in mind, uh, Leinster won last year with what was allegedly yeah. their second string side, but it is something for the fans to look forward to. Peter O'Mahony, you mentioned there, he's missing. To clear up, that isn't an injury or anything like that. That is, uh, this is a player management Situation where he's just sitting this one out. As far as we're aware, yep. Yeah. I mean, there was no, there's been nothing of, uh, no suspicion of an injury in the last couple of weeks. He did quite, they're quite front loaded him. Like they get a certain, it's not, they're not told this is the game he can play, this is the game he can't. They're given a certain amount of minutes over the course of the season. Um, at different parts, they're kind of told which weeks they sh- they should take breaks. Mm-hmm. Munster have obviously chosen chosen to put Peter Manny in quite early in the season, front load him so that he, you know, he he gets a run into Europe. It paid dividends, he's played really well, but they have to give him a break at some stage. We always talk about player management, but it's a frequent topic of conversation when I'm in here. He needs a break at some stage to make sure that he's ready for those Ireland games and for the European games for Munster. It's unfortunate that it's, t- that it's tomorrow night because that is, uh, like it's, it's one of the biggest games of the season and it's one, you know, particularly in Munster's home calendar, it's a game that always sells out at home in Thomond Park. It, they've still got a pretty solid pack, but it, they will miss him and, and I think Given the calibre of team that Leinster are sending down, I wonder will Johan Van Gran regret the fact that he played him in some of those earlier games and didn't try and use his minutes in, in, in this game. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. Finian Witcherly is the man actually taking the sixth shirt tomorrow. Um, I'm still unsure with Finian Witcherly. Is he a second row? Is he a back row? Which, which way are you leaning with him? I think he's a lock, personally, and I think he will end up being a lock. But we've seen it with a lot of second rows over the years that earlier in their career, Ian Henderson, Ty Burns played a fair bit at six as well. It's when they have the bit of pace about them before it gets ground down in the scrum, they they, they, they get a bit of freedom. And probably when you lose Peter Manny, you lose the line-out option as well. So if you stuck Arno both in there, 
probably doesn't necessarily have the same kind of jumping up capacity that, that Pete does. So you put a second row in, you know, a, a second row come uh, back row, and you've got tight burn there as well. They kind of do both jobs. So it gives a lot of mobility to the to the Leinster, sorry, to the Munster pack, but it also gives that bit of line-out security, which they need, because their line-out hasn't been fantastic in, in recent weeks. And taking Peter Romani out of a of a line-out that hasn't been fantastic weakens it further. So he, he's a really exciting prospect. He's a guy that's, that's impressed any time I've seen him this season, albeit mostly in the second row, where I think his long-term future rests. But you can understand the, the, the logic and sticking him there. Having the line-out option as well is going to be important, because like Devin Toner isn't playing tomorrow either and you know that immediately takes a big part of the Leinster line out out of the equation and you know it gives Munster the chance maybe to put them under a bit of pressure defensively on line outs they are generally quite good it's it's on their own ball they, they've kind of been shaky over yeah the and Sean Cronin's out as well which means James Tracy's stepping in and um, they've been chopping and changing a bit Brian Byrne played last week you know there's the that'll with, with Sean Cronin do we think as well that that's a, a game management I think situation? so he come off the bench brilliant against Connacht yeah because off the bench against Connacht gets a rest this weekend and probably starts against Ulster and then that that brings them in it's all they've all worked these blocks out strategically unless there's an injury I think these selections have all been done have all been predetermined and the players know when they're off and on and like it is unfortunate but I think we're used to it now and to be honest this game hasn't disappointed for the last couple of years so um, you know I'm still looking forward to it you know know, there are a couple of names missing but you know they rest Sean Cronin but they still put uh, Tyg Furlong and Keane Healy either side of James Tracy so you know they they they're getting clever at this, I think. They're getting, they used to just rest players on block, but now Leinster in particular, who have the squad, are able to manage through this and not really feel a weakened team. They might be 70-80% of their first team, but it's still a pretty strong team. But I think you're right. I think they can get pressure on James Tracy. Um, and they, yeah, they have big size in that, in that, that pack and they've, you know, decent-sized lifters as well. But they need to be secure on their own ball because it, it, that was a big problem against Cast. You know, for all that we talked about, you know, Joey Carberry's missed kicks, about the discipline, about sorry, about Wayne Barnes and, and the, that stuff. You know, the key line at the end of the game went 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 to beg or it went astray. And you know, Nascalon's a really good hooker, and it's it's a really strong part of his game. But there's a lot of moving parts, and it hasn't quite been going like, like a lot of things. In Munster, like this is a really key game in Munster season, and that's one of the things that they need to get right this week. Yeah, and you say like you say it's a key game as well. Two defeats in a row. If the relu- if you know essentially a hop of a ball in it against Cast, whatever, but two defeats in a row, lose this weekend, they're on three, they're going to Connacht next week. Mm. You really don't want to be getting into a losing run, heading into what now looks like being a huge Champions Cup game against Gloucester in a few weeks' time. So, like, all, all of a sudden, the, the, these losses start to build up a little bit, and, okay, if they were to win tomorrow, it's a massive one for them. Yeah. It's absolutely huge to get back on track, but suddenly you just start to, to question yourself that little bit more when those losses start to come in. All season we've been asking where Munster at, and we haven't really got any answers. But mm-hmm. in the last couple of weeks, it, the, the kind of negatives have started to come to the fore. And you don't want to throw the baby out of the bowwater. You don't want to panic and, and kind of write them off at all, because they are going fine. They're still top of their pool. They're still second in the conference, albeit they've lost a little bit of ground to Glasgow. And, and you know, you've got two fronts. You, you, know, you need to be getting that home semi-final you know, towards the end of the season in the Pro 14. The Pro 14 gets written off around this time of year, but it is important to put yourself in as strong a position as possible, even for next year's European Champions Cup. So the next four games are basically going to define their season, I think. Um, you've got Leinster at home, locked and loaded, you know, coming down with Johnny Sexton. You get that win, you just get you put a whole charge of electricity through the organisation. Mm-hmm. You, you, know, you, you march to Connacht next week in fine form. Connacht are probably going to have to do a bit of resting next week because they've gone pretty strong in their two games. But still, they lost in the sports ground last season, Munster. So that's got a difficult game. And then that Gloucester away game on a Friday night, 
will define our European season, or at least will set up the, the extra game, which again, you know, you're, you're rolling on. So they've put themselves in a position where they're in must-win territory, certainly in Europe, and these European games, sorry, these Pro 14 games are would be very handy to win games because once you start losing ground in those, those games, Connacht are breathing down their necks in the conference as well. You know, they've put themselves in a bit of a diff difficult position. Leinster 16 points clear. They didn't need to send this full-strength team mm -hmm. down to Poland today or to tomorrow. They could, they could pretty much sack that off, but they have yeah. chosen not to. They've given themselves a bit of margin for error. Munster don't have that. Munster pretty much need to win all these games to keep their season ticking along because on the face of it, on paper, it doesn't look like a bad season. But we've, there's a little bit of signs that it's going south a little bit in recent weeks and it's well within their gift to arrest that slide. And winning against Leinster at home in Park would be ideal. Yeah, like how much how much would that do tomorrow if Munster were to grind out a win, like absolutely just dog it out, get over the line, and all of a sudden, <laughs> like things are feeling so much better from a Munster. The weight will come off. You, you, you can imagine what the scenes would be like in Tolman Park. You know, full house, all people back at home for Christmas. This is the game that they've kind of you know they've bought their tickets for a long time ago. It's been sold out for for ages. And yeah, it gives the whole organisation a lift, it gives the players a lift, it gives the, the, the fans a lift, and it just carries you through those next couple of weeks. And although Leinster went down there with a, it wasn't a, a B team by any means, it still had a, fair, a lot of frontline players, but Sexton wasn't playing a number, another, a number of honor, others. And they were so dominant on Stevens' day last year, it was such an impressive performance, it was like Dan Levy, and a couple of others kind of forced their way into Six Nations reckoning and everything. It was like the birth of Jordan there. Larmer. Yeah, exactly. I know he had done it in a few other games previously, but that was well, everyone's try watching. laid on. That was it's, the day everyone It was the same up. at Ringrose three years ago. Everyone watches this game. This game is one of the few Pro 14 games that captures everyone's imagination. And it'll be interesting to see with, you know, this move on there, you know, will it have the same impact? But hopefully it will because it's such a big fixture. And, and I think that, you know, it is a fixture that with everyone watching, if you get a performance, you have a full house, you really can generate so much momentum out of it. And Munster should have beaten Leinster in the semi-final of the Pro 14 in May. Mm -hmm. And they should have won in, in the Aviva Stadium in, uh, in October when their scrum was so dominant and they created enough chances and they didn't take them. But they were playing better back then than they, were, they are now. But they just need something to click and just to get a bit more, just a better attacking performance and improvements across the park because just there's so many elements of their game that haven't been going full tilt. And yet they're still been close in recent weeks. That's you know they're a good team, not playing particularly well, and all it takes is one big performance to get that show going right in the right direction again. Yeah, and one thing we will have tomorrow as well is Joey Carberry against Johnny Sexton, which yeah. we didn't have last yeah. time around at the Aviva Stadium. A lot of people looking forward to to that just to see how the kind of master against apprentice thing lines up. Exactly, and and with, with Connor Murray sitting there as well, it makes life a bit easier for Carberry, who's coming in with a bit of pressure on his on his shoulders because of that cast game and the three missed kicks and the, the I think one went out in the full as well. You know, it, it, he was. Um, he was a bit off it that day and, and he's down there, we've, that's what we heard from the start, he's down there partly to learn and partly to get experience under his belt but he's also expected by the Thumbman Park faithful to produce and this would be a perfect time to do it against his former team and against Johnny Sexton who, you know, players, it may seem fanciful that Johnny Sexton's the world player of the year and he's come off the best year of his career and you know, is, is everyone's team is of the year and is everyone you know, locked in for the Ireland team but in Joey Carberry's mind he thinks he can knock Johnny Sexton off the perch and get the number 10 shirt. He has to. That's the way mm -hmm. players are built. So a big performance on, on uh, tomorrow um, against his old province, against Johnny, um, would do a huge amount for him going into 2019, which is a massive year for him because he made this move all about 2019. Yeah. That's why he made the move. Um, and for Sexton, Sexton will also 
will have, have it in his head that I need a big performance against Joey Carberry. So, you know, the two of them motivated is, you know, is fairly tantalising stuff. So it's going to be, that'll be worth watching. And very hard, to, you know, these players don't actually, you know, we, we build up these key battles yeah. and they don't actually face off against each other. But we have seen Sexton go after opposition outhouse before. I remember George Ford about four or five years ago in the Six Nations was the coming man. Sexton emptied him in the game. It was either the England game and then the game against Bath in the quarter final. He just went after him and hounded him. Yeah, 2015, Sexton, I think. Was, yeah, that's yeah. the one. So Sexton has the capacity to go and try and dominate. Whether he'll do it tomorrow, I don't know. But it's uh, it's worth watching. Also, as well, I think one of the key pressure points tomorrow is going to be how James Lowe fares. Because I think generally, the last time around, certainly at the Viva Stadium, James Lowe was, abs- he was the difference between the sides yeah. on the day. Uh, I think back to... Uh, last January as well at Thoman Park, he probably wasn't the deciding factor on the day, but he was absolutely yeah. excellent. Yeah. He was, you know, he was he was still fresh enough in the Leinster jersey at that yeah. stage. Uh, it was Darren Sweetenham who was kind of his opposite number last time around at the Aviva. Andrew Conway this weekend. If if Munster can shut down uh, James Lowe, I think they they have a massive chance. If if James Lowe has the freedom, and if James Lowe is is making yards constantly. It could be a long day. Yeah, and I don't think it's even necessarily a one-on-one like shut down James Lowe. I think it's the, the supply. If yeah. Leinster can get the supply of ball, starting with the scrum and the rook, if Munster can can get an edge in either of those departments, you know, it just puts pressure on Sexton getting the ball at the low. If Sexton gets an arm, armchair ride, then James Lowe and Jordan Larmer and and, Ev- and and even Gary Ringos, you know, will have the time and space to do damage, and they can do damage like nobody else. And Lowe in particular just needs. We saw it in the uh, in the bath game at the Aviva, like even a quick tap. You know, when, when Bath went to sleep after a pretty decent yeah. kind of period, went to sleep and he scores. He just he's, he never dies with the ball, and he's always alive to any danger that he can he can create. He just causes havoc in opposition defences, and he's great to watch. And that was one of the first games he'd had in a Lancer jersey. Certainly, the biggest uh, early game he'd had, and that was when you realised that this is a guy Leinster. I know they ended up not not being able to pick him for the big European games, mm-hmm. but he gives them so much in attack. He's so exciting to watch. Conway's it's a really good uh, marker to see how far Conway's come because I think he's had an excellent 2018, yeah. um, and is one of the foreign players carrying into next year's Six Nations. And I think who and Earls could be Munster's point of difference tomorrow. But yeah, uh, that's a good battle and, and low. Just gives you so much. Even even when Leinster are not playing well, like they were in the Aviva Stadium that day, they can just turn to him, give him the ball, and like it's, it's very simple. Just give him the ball and see what he can do with it. And, and quite often he comes up with something. Very quickly on Conway, do, would do you prefer to see him playing as a winger or a fullback? I I'd like to see him get a bit more time at fullback, but they've they've clearly made the decision, and Ireland have made the decision that he, his future is on the wing. Um, I'm not sure why that is. I haven't gotten. gotten you see, to the I, I, I quite like him on the wing. I actually, I think. Oh, yeah. so I think I think he's yeah. really good on the wing. But I think the extra bit of freedom. I I, I always go back to Conway as a twenty, and maybe that's yeah. that's naive at this stage. And and I I covered him as under twenty over in Argentina at the World Cup, and he was lightning quick, and he just has that extra like like uh, Carberry when he plays fullback, like Larmer when he plays fullback. When he looks up from the fullback position, and he and he has the full field to choose from, he so often picked the right options, but. He's become a really, really excellent winger who's really good at the nuts and bolts and I think gets a lot of praise for his nuts and bolts work, but is more than capable of spectacular stuff as well. So, no, I, 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 I would like to see him get a go there, but Haley has settled in well there. But I thought when Zebo went, I thought Conway would fill that void. But they, between Johan van Graan and, and Joe Schmidt, they've clearly all, both made the decision that they, uh, they see him as a right winger and they probably have better rugby minds, probably. Or they have better rugby minds than I do. So, you know, they, they've... They've obviously put a lot of thought into that and come up with that as, as their call. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing Dan Goggin tomorrow as well alongside yeah. Rory Scanlon in the centre because he he had a, he had a run, started the season, some very, very good games, performed brilliantly in Exeter 
in um, in the first round of the Champions Cup and then got that injury against Gloucester the second day out. Yeah. And at the time, it looked a lot worse than it ultimately ended up being. So I'm just curious to see how he gets, uh, gets on tomorrow afternoon because he's very, very physical in the centre. He was really good in this fixture in, yeah. in, in the Aviva as well. And, and, you know, we saw how good Munster were when Farrell was in there. Just briefly, we got a, a little glimpse of him. And, and I'm not saying Goggin is quite where Farrell is yet, but he has a lot of the physical capabilities. Certainly um, as a carrier, he's, he's, he's so direct. Very strong. Yeah, he's so direct and he just gets you go, going forward. Now, I think Leinster have had a few issues with you know with their centres. I think when, when Reid and Ringrose were there, there was possibly a bit of a size problem and they've put in mm. uh, Rory O'Loughlin, who is more of a more of a 13 in my mind, but it has slotted into 12, yeah. but it's just a really physical player. And you wouldn't be surprised to see him man-mark Goggin a little bit tomorrow. But I think Goggin still has the capacity, when he when he comes down to the ball at pace, he's very hard to stop and he's got good footwork as well. You'd like to see him maybe add a little bit of uh, offloading in there, but that'll come, I think. So, um, no, he's he's a really exciting, uh, he's more than a prospect, he's here now and, and he's getting a start in a big game. Um, I think we're going to see Farrell, just saw, reading some stuff this morning, Farrell will be back next week and that mm-hmm. gives so much to Munster going, going to Gloucester the following week. They have a lot of big ball carrying centres, you know, Yako Taude started in, up and he captained the team up in Ravenhill. So Sam Arnold there's, as well. Yeah, and Arnold as well, yeah, and Arnold's having a, you know, he made his Ireland debut last month. So they have a lot of options there. At the same time, their backline probably hasn't clicked as well since either when Farrell or, or uh, Goggin were in the team because so much of it relies on getting over the game line and if, if you have a big carrier like him, it just gives you so much. And before we move on to Ulster and Connacht this evening, uh, I think a man who's going to be fairly central tomorrow, Frank Murphy, the referee. Yeah. Given the events of the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, two red cards that should have been in cast, a red card last week that should have been in Ulster. The first borderline thing that happens in that match tomorrow, the Thoman Park crowd are going to be all over yeah. Frank Murphy. Yeah, and it's interesting just to see a former Munster player reffing Munster, <laughs> which is, you know, like we saw Alan Roland referee this fixture about five or six years ago and Anthony Foley wasn't particularly happy about it. But maybe that just set a norm in place that, you know, we trust referees to be neutral and all sort of. It's an interesting pressure on, on his shoulders, but I don't doubt he, he can overcome it. Um, his role is, unfortunately, in all these games, there's these big decisions. We always seem to be, end up talking about referees. And Munster have had their fair share of bad decisions against them in the last couple of weeks, it's fair to say. I think that, you know, the Balakoon one on, on the weekend was very much, you know, a straight red. First minute changes the whole thing. You can't use an excuse because it's still 15 on 15. You've still got an, every opportunity to go and win the game. But at the same time, you can feel hard done by. And then cast was cast. I mean, it was mayhem. So um, you just hope that he that he is able to get a, a fair handle on it, that, that we aren't talking about it next week, that we're able to be talking about there's so many Ireland storylines, so many subplots going on, um, you know that we're that, that both teams come away from it knowing that they gave it their best shot and they lost because their best shot wasn't good enough rather than blaming a referee. But, and you know Murphy's, uh, you know he's, he's relatively, you know he's, he's been on the scene for a couple of, couple of years now. You know he, he he's been in the big game cauldron as a player. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always translate onto into being a top quality ref, but it, it you know should give him the game sense and the. And the kind of I don't know empathy that to, to be able to get on with the players on the pitch as well. So hopefully he has a good game and allows the players to thrive because the forecast is pretty good for tomorrow. This calm weather we're getting should make for a really good game. And and the last couple of Munster Leinster games, I think there was a bit of a lull where they cancelled each other out. The last couple of years they've been really good games, and I'm you know I think it's one to really look forward to. If you're going to call it tomorrow, I think Leinster's starting fifteen is strong enough to get the job done. But if it comes down to it, their bench. I think they, they can get it far, far enough ahead that they can take their bench out of the equation. 
Um, but I'd give Munster a, a fighting chance, but Leinster just about. Okay. Uh, of course, our rugby coverage is brought to you by Air Sport, the home of rugby in Ireland. Now, the other big derby this weekend is actually happening shortly enough tonight. 7.35 kickoff at the sports ground between Connacht and Ulster. Uh, two sides in pretty good form, Rory. Mm. Even if you take aside Connacht's defeat to Leinster last week, that was their, you know, it was their second defeat in seven matches. Ulster, they're going for their fifth win in a row uh, tonight. It, and as well... They have both put out pretty decent teams, mm. similar enough to Munster and Leinster, save for a couple of guys who've been held back. Yeah, and Ulster were probably the one of the guiltiest parties of, of resting entire teams and sending complete B teams off down the country to get, and I suppose it came back to bite them in, in Tomond um, when they got that record defeat a couple of months ago. But looking at those teams that, that, that are playing tonight, that's not a bad Ulster pack. No, and, certainly not. And, and Ulster, Ulster got... Absolutely battered by Connacht up front in Kingspan when they lost for the first time since the 60s yeah. um, earlier this season. Um, the, but they've McFarland being a prop himself, that will be you know the, the, their struggling scrum over the course of the first half of the season would have been a real you know would have been niggling away at him. And he seems to have gotten it right. And he found a bit bit of a gem in Eric O'Sullivan. I was actually just about to bring him up as well because <coughs> I, the last the last six weeks or so in particular, I've absolutely loved watching him play. Yeah. And even I think it was at the Philip Sports Awards. Joe Schmidt name-checked Eric O'Sullivan yeah. as someone who could, I think as he said, could make an impact in 2019. Mm. He's definitely one to watch. Absolutely, and he's he's a guy who's gone up from Ulster having missed out on Leinster, mm. you know, Leinster honours, um, and has been there for a little while. I think he's 23, 24. Like he's not, he's no spring chicken in, in, in the kind of the way we've seen academy players burst onto the scene in other provinces. But he's worked at his game, he's worked the way, he's, he's not small, you know, he's well able to cope in this level. Maybe those extra couple of years have helped them to, to be to be ready to play at this level. And a modern prop as well. Gets around and makes a oh lot yeah, of tackles. No, absolutely. A he's, lot of tackles. He's, he's not he's not a one trick pony, yeah. but he's good at that he's he's good at the core trick that he needs to be at. Because you know it's no use being anything else uh, when you're a prop if you can't scrummage. Yeah. You know, we've seen a, a number of Ulster players who could, you know, throw offloads and, and do things around the park in in the front row but couldn't do the nuts and bolts. And you put him alongside Rob Herring and Marty Moore tonight um Nagel seems to have found a bit of form since he went up there, which you know he, he had a, he had a poor enough start to the season with Leinster, and it was no surprise to see him head elsewhere. Probably a bit of a surprise to see him put his third province together. Yeah. Uh, but you know he seems to have found a form. Treadwell's playing well, um, and they've got Cosia at number eight, and Cosia just gives you go forward. So I think like it's only recently that Ulster ever considered Connacht, you know, uh, anywhere near you know as someone that that mm -hmm. could beat them. I mean Ulster always beat Connacht you know, home and away. It was just a, it was a given. Um, and I'm sure they'd like to get back to that place where they can. And McFarland knows Connacht very well as well. He played it down after yeah. the, you know, during the week, but he knows all those players really well. He worked with most of them. So yeah. even up until him, what three, four years ago. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And and would have kept a close eye. Would have been involved with Glasgow playing against them as well. Um, Connacht will be absolutely fuming at the way that things finished at the RDS, and will have a massive point to prove, and have picked a very strong team with with you know Farrell and Aki just are worth watching. You know, they're just magic together and Jack Curdy's having a fantastic season um, and they have the, the pack to kind of gain parity but it's, it's going to be a good game it's going to be a really really close affair and I give Ulster a decent shout out of getting a result up there. Yeah and just even looking at the as I mentioned earlier Connacht 5 wins from 7 I think I brought it up earlier in the week both of the two defeats in those 7 games they were leading <coughs> into the red one against the Ospreys and one of course last week at the RDS to change the table around look if they'd, ha if they'd hung on and won those games they're second in Conference A and they would be eight points clear of the Ospreys, who would be fourth. Yeah. And all of a sudden, they're looking fantastic for a Champions Cup place. They're still in a very good, uh, still in a very good place to potentially get a Champions Cup spot. 
and looking at the table as well, like a win for Ulster tonight, they're pretty. They're kind of consolidating second place with the Ospreys playing or with uh, the Scarlets playing tomorrow away to Cardiff. So there's a lot on the line, even way more so than just provincial bragging rights or anything. Oh, absolutely. Like, just categorically on the table, it's yeah. shaping up to be a great game. Well, they're breeding their monsters next in, in conference. Conference A is, you know, it's very, very compressed. And there well, is... Connacht win tonight, they go ahead of Munster for the time being at least. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the Welsh teams are struggling. Munster are having their issues in the Pro 14. They're, they're kind of being able to beat, beat big, sorry, run up big scorelines at home, but they've been struggling on, on the road a bit and teams seem to be putting out their eight teams at home against them. So, you know, there's no, like, Connacht have the luxury of not having the Champions Cup this year. A bit like the year they won the league, they're, they're able to kind of rotate and give, give opportunity during the, the Challenge Cup windows and still get results but they're able to put everything into the Pro 14, and that's a massive advantage. We've seen it in the Premier League, the year Leicester won it, the year Chelsea won it. You know, if, if you're not in the Champions League in the Premier you know, it, it's a massive advantage, and the same thing is happening in the Pro 14. So they're making full full use of that. They should have, they got two points out of the RDS, which in many years would be a good result, but you know, the way the way it happened was, was heartbreaking. Five. But they got to take the first 70 minutes of that and go, hang on a second, we lived with a team, it may not have been Leicester's first team, but it's a team that, that have gone and beaten some good teams, mm home and away in the last couple of weeks. And that tore them open. Absolutely, and they dominated them. They dominated them physically. Like, there's a lot to like about this Connacht team under Andy Friend. There's a certain, there's really a good vibes going on. It would be hard to be anything else after last season, but they, they seem to be going in a, in a really good direction, and they have to grasp this opportunity, because you're right, they could get ahead of Munster, and then there's no guarantee Munster winning tomorrow, and suddenly you're going into the new year in a really strong position, and you've got to think Champions Cup, you've got to think playoffs, you've got to think, we won this competition three years ago, you know, Let's be ambitious. So, and they are ambitious down there, and you know, they uh, they're putting together a nice team. And if they can keep their strong players fit, they're a match for anyone. Mm-hmm. And just finally, before we wrap up as well, Henry Spate, his last game for Ulster, he's played eleven matches, three tries. He'll be going back to the Brumbies uh, for the new Super Rugby season. Despite the fact that it was that they only had him for half a season, excellent bit of business. It's actually like it's a real shame he's going back. I know he's blocking Irish players, and I understand the reasons behind it. But I think Ulster need a leg up this season. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I'm disappointed that they weren't able... Maybe he, he probably wants to go home and play in the World Cup, in fairness to him. He probably wants a full Super e- Rugby season. Maybe they weren't able to convince him. Maybe they were given permission. I'm not sure. But just from, a, from an Irish rugby point of view, he was one of these guys who's come over and bought into it straight away and produced. And he's been really good. And in, in some of those games that Ulster won by one or two points, he came up with big plays in the build-ups. Um, was that the Scarlets game over in Wales a couple of weeks ago? The, oh, yeah, yeah. The round, uh, round three game in the Heineken Champions Cup. That was, I thought that was his best performance he, for them. He, like, he leaves them in a better place than he found them, mm-hmm. and that's all you can ask for. And it, it, it's a pity from their point of view that they don't have him, but at the same time, they're probably set up well to cope without him now, much better than they were when he came over, and he, he has had an impact. And I wonder, after the World Cup, will they, will they have capacity? Obviously, they need RFU approval and all that sort of stuff. But he's made an impact, and, and the fans love him, and it's, it's, it's been a good signing. It's, it's probably worked out well for both of them. He probably goes back to the Brumbies in good form and with a good chance of making that Australian squad, which is looking easier to do by the, by the week. Okay, and in a quick word, how's this going to go tonight? Connacht are raging off favourites in the bookies and probably at home with the, 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 the anger that they, got, <laughs> they brought home from Dublin. Mm-hmm. Have a, you know, I can understand that, but I, I think Ulster could go up and nick it. I, I, I like to look at that Ulster pack. I think they, having been bullied in that first, uh, that first game up in, in Kingspan, they'll have a point to prove as well. Okay, Rory O'Connor, thanks for stopping in. Enjoy Tumman Park tomorrow and uh, Happy New Year to you as well. You too, and all the listeners. Okay, guys, uh, that's it for Friday Night Rugby. Coming up next, it's Friday Night Racing. Off the ball. 
Find us on Twitter at Off The Ball. News Talk 106 to 108.